HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit surreyfarms.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Chickpea Magazine and the woman behind it, Kara Livermore. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> Via Rochester, yes. North Bronx today. Long, long two-hour commute on the train. Yes, it was pretty good. With us. Thank you so much. It feels like magazine month for me because I had Wild Apple Magazine, a great... I was listening to it on the way here on my long subway ride. That's what podcasts are for. We need more people like you. Wild Apple Magazine, which was gluten-free. Yeah. Chickpea Magazine, which is, well, animal-free. Vegan. Yeah, all vegan. All vegan. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to kind of reinforce the idea of what veganism is and even what gluten-free is, that they're not necessarily diets. They're not elimination diets. You're not getting rid of something. You're choosing a lifestyle. Yeah, definitely, especially with veganism. It's like a a constant all the time, not just food, but the w- things that you wear, like the entertainment that you <laughs> are entertained with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wondered that because I felt like there, there are those two different types of veganism. There's mm-hmm. one where it's literally just about food you know no animal products no animal byproducts but then there's this greater ethos this ethical veganism which is literally you know no leather (laughs) what what kind of vegan entertainment is there Uh, well the thing about entertainment is it's like you don't go to the zoo you don't go to circuses just stuff like that but um but puppet shows are okay puppet shows are okay (laughs) um we went to the botanical garden in brooklyn that was amazing yeah we did that like yesterday 
the day before yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So it literally is an encompassing lifestyle yeah, for you. It's holistic. <laughs> yeah. But you didn't grow up vegan. It, it was oh, like no. this instant in college. So pre-veganism, what were your eating habits and entertainment uh, So I grew up in an extremely poor household. So all almost all the meat we had was deer that my dad hunted, which I also got to go on these hunting trips wow. and yeah. carry around squirrels. And so it was very much like that kind of thing. Jerky, like jerky that my dad would make, um, mashed potatoes, <laughs> uh, like a lot of iceberg salads. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does, it seems like the eighties, nineties. I mean, this very is much so. the majority of even supermarket and mm -hmm. kind of like, I wouldn't call it off the grid, but non-metropolis cuisine yeah. consistent of this. I didn't, I had not had a from scratch cake until after I left college, basically. So I had only had box cakes my entire life. And I was like, why does this new cake taste so different? <laughs> All of the other cakes taste exactly the same because they're from the same box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that that's an interesting, you know, going from that to something mm. that eliminates that completely. Yeah. I mean... What were your thoughts growing? Did you not like deer? Did you not like jerky? Or did, did you enjoy that box cake? I loved the food that I ate. <laughs> um, the hunt, I mean, like, from a young age, like, just being exposed to, like, the dead animals all the time. Like, that's when it first started. Or, like, when our dog, who lived outside because we had a very small house, like, seeing our dog, like, out in the rain just, like, kind of, like, started this, like empathy in me that is like kind of what people would say is like to the extreme now of like going completely vegan or like the people who my parents are friends with they think it's so weird and so extreme but it's like I've actually gotten my dad to cook me tofu yeah. so it's like it's really cool like how over the years that's changed yeah does he still hunt oh yeah yeah <laughs> that's like a thing that has ha has been going on since like my great grandfather and like it's just like a tradition that it's not like i don't think he'll ever change that yeah but i mean he wasn't necessarily sad of your decision to go vegan but he just didn't understand it at first oh yeah it's i think that's a lot of what people that's what happens with a lot of people it's more confusion than anger like even if they act angry it's all con it's like they don't know what it is that i'm doing it's yeah. a misunderstanding i feel like and then when i actually like explain to them this is what it is they're like well that's actually not that bad yeah. <laughs> well explain to me what what is it and what prompted you to go into this lifestyle well when i it was like halfway through college i decided to go vegetarian um it was mostly like in the dining halls you would see trash cans full of whole meats that people just throw out, like just completely full garbage bins of meat. And I was like, these animals died for you to throw them in the trash? Like that for me. And like the way that I eat was very wasteful. So to me, I felt like kind of a hypocrite for believing like you shouldn't be wasteful. You shouldn't like these animals shouldn't have to like sort suffer their entire lives for trash basically yeah. um so that's what started it and then i went vegan a little bit after college um it was kind of like a 
I could deal without milk. And from there, it was like I kind of added in like everything else. <laughs> yeah, there are those stages. I, I too was vegetarian and vegan at a point yeah. in college. And I think my parents thought it was a phase. Yeah. Um, and I, I did, I didn't grow out of it. I, I changed my kind of morals and ideas of, yeah. of food in general. But during that time, you're, you're right. Like people were very confused as to how you approach. And I may have been wasteful as well, but it's, gl- I'm glad to see that, like that aspect of sustainability. Mm, that's um, the number one yeah. reason why I'm vegan is environment and sustainability. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say like health and it's like, you can be really unhealthy as a vegan oh, yeah. just as much as you are when you're not vegan. Tell me about some of the most unhealthy vegan oh. <laughs> recipes you've encountered because I know I've seen like cri- cookies, like some of the cookie stuff and baking stuff that the happens. The baking yeah. stuff is the most over the top, but and that's the craziest thing is like vegan baking is actually very easy and it's very easy to make something ridiculously like decadent. Um, there's a restaurant in Rochester. They make these mac and cheese nachos, which are like... It's like an all-vegan restaurant, but it's like uh, cheese, vegan cheese sauce, meat sauce, um, like a green, like pico de gallo, like all of these things. It's, I had it for lunch the other day by myself. Yeah. No, it's funny because ve- vegetarian, like, entrees were always like some some pasta with a whole bunch of cheese on Lentil it. Lentil loaf with brown rice. <laughs> yeah. But it was never anything. And then it changed to this, like you said, mm. decadence. Yeah. Where it's like, look at all these things we can do. And whether or not it was a better educated public of what they can do with vegan ingredients or just they've been starved so long of that kind of food <laughs> that they're like, oh, I need it now. I, I don't know which way it was, but it, it's definitely been interesting to see yeah. that trajectory of things. I feel like it's like when vegetarianism started, it was like a backlash against like all the decadence of like regular meat culture. So they went like the most natural, like, and this is like in the seventies, like, of course they're going to make lentil loaf. Yeah, yeah. But I think like as veganism like grows, there's just more different kinds of cultures. Like there are the people who want to do the lentil loaves. And then there's people who want to just make amazing, crazy desserts like all the time. And, like, I'm really happy to see, like, all different facets of these different kinds of foods. I don't know. Yeah. At a point, you said that you eliminated milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another sect of, like, vegetarianism, the yeah. non-dairy. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, leading into veganism. It's like lacto... I, what is... I don't even remember the yeah. word. <laughs> well, there's so many terminologies within. But uh, I was reading a little bit about where veganism started. Um, and it was kind of fascinating because it was... Uh, I mean, it's been around for a long, long time. You can trace it back to, like, almost Roman Empire that there there are vegans. Yeah. You know, there are people that respected the animal and it wasn't about, like, um, you know, I just don't like meat. No, it was, like, <laughs> actually part of their religion not to yeah. eat the animal and spy products but it happened in like the mid 40s in the uk then came over to the u.s soon thereafter and like you said it didn't really catch on i mean veganism had a really really tough time being like this kind of bastard child of vegetarianism (laughs) well i think um just like people's misperceptions of what it is to be vegan it like hinders it so much And I think especially, like, from the 70s on when people are talking more openly and, like, there's more ability to have an open discussion is when it really, like, started becoming something new (laughs) and not 
just kind of in the background, I guess. And understanding the products, too. I mean, so what is vegan? Soy. Uh, plant milks, kind of like almond milks. See, I don't even, I don't like eat soy at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny when people like, you say you're vegan and they're like, oh, soy, soy milk, tofu. And it's like, I eat, a, I eat tofu, but soy milk is pretty gross, I think. Yeah, I, I don't like a lot of soy milk. <laughs> I actually prefer, like, and that's the reason really that I started thinking about going vegan is um, I tried rice milk and I love that so much more, like in cereal than regular milk. And I guess it's just the the smell of milk, like the it gets really sour very quickly, and I don't like it. But the the rice milk, almond milk, coconut milk is like amazing. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you made your own, or do you purchase? Yeah, these? yeah. I, I do make my own because we go through a lot of it for recipe testing and for just in general. So I make my own almond milk um, because it's really expensive usually. Yeah. Um, and then we buy coconut milk like in bulk in like cans. Yeah. <laughs> but I like don't. Like bomb shelter, like hoarding for the Oh next, my God, you should see you know, pantry. vegan apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you say you make these things in bulk too, um, I think a lot of people are put off initially by the idea of going vegan because they think they have to redo their whole pantry, get mm-hmm. all new dry goods, you know, and and other things. What do you feel like you need at your house to be vegan? I actually think it's like not that difficult to switch your pantry over, especially if you're just like replacing things as you run out of them. Um, But the things that like I use the most are the rice milk, um, just like really cheap, like dry beans that you can like make in a huge batch at the beginning of the week, Uh, like canned beans and like just vegetables and fruit like it's I know just, it's funny to say vegetables like people are like vegetables those are vegan those are vegetarian and it's like that's the bulk of what my yeah. f- eating is yeah. is vegetables and like people i feel like a lot of people are definitely going for this vegetable based diet now instead of saying vegan um and they're so similar like just eating like starting your meal with vegetables instead of saying like i'm going to have a huge slab of meat mashed potatoes and broccoli like my parents did yeah but um so it's like i'm going to have brussels sprouts and broccoli and then i'm going to add some pasta at the end like a little bit (laughs) yeah well i think a lot of people's worries too are the elimination aspect of iron b12 certain nutrients in the diet but then i just read this book called paleo vegan yeah which you know the paleo diet so big right now and relies mainly on you know meat broths and those kind of proteins So it's fascinating to see that it can easily be done with veganism as well. We just reviewed Paleo Vegan for the fall issue, which I forgot to bring. (laughs) I read the PDF. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to get in paper too because I'm a hoarder. Oh my gosh. I forgot the question. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, uh, it's so easy. That's what I kind of want to... You know, keep on telling um, people. You said, what was the word? Elimination, which scares so many people. And it's not really about elimination. It's about, like, kind of replacement and changing your perspective. So, like, you don't... And a lot of people I see that are ex-vegans, they're like, oh, I never had anything to eat. I was so tired. It's like, because you're eliminating and not replacing. I mean, most of the time. I don't really know these people intimately. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so, like instead of just getting rid of meat, like 
add in beans, get like the replace, like get the soy replacements, like replacing what you've always known. Start with like tacos. They're easy. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just like trying the lentil loaf, replace your taco meal or replace your pasta meal. Yeah. You know, it was fascinating talking about elimination, how to supplement through veganism. Iron. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people eat just way too much spinach. And there's, I, have a, <laughs> I love spinach, but there's a spinach limit. Um, lentils, quinoa, like you said, beans, kidney beans, chickpeas, but blackstrap molasses. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Um, and there's like a lot of ways that you can implement these like uh, small like ingredients that you would never think of using, like making like a vinaigrette with the blackstrap molasses. It's really easy. Like, um, I think it's like, what is the word? It's like VRG web dot org or something um they have amazing charts that show you like here's the best ways to get vegan protein and it shows you how much protein per like what is it pound or something and so you can say here are all the like really good ingredients i'm going to mix them together and make a meal (laughs) yeah i mean i know protein nutrients like peas and rice Mm -hmm. are really high but again yeah it's 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 not all egg replacement like it used to be it used to be like well you can't do that vegan unless you take that egg out and put baking powder in. Yeah. But, but that's all it was about for a long, long time. And you can still do, like, I still do that for baking all the time. I mean, that's just how it is. But it's definitely more, I think, about, like, adding in lots of, like, new ingredients that you normally would not. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're actually going to take a break and uh, come back and talk about those college days where you did oh. <laughs> first start exploring veganism. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. The following program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Hey, and welcome back to the Food Scene on Heritage Radio Network.org. Again, your host, Michael Hart on Turkel, here with Kara Livermore of Chickpea Magazine. Jack, are you looking at me? Because we, we realized yep, it yep. was the <laughs> S. Wallace Edwards and Son ham for the vegan magazine. It's kind of like when the Slaughterhouse ad runs on the pet show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the thing is, even with all these different ideas about how we feed and nourish ourselves or live our lives, um, I feel like there are very similar dogmas or mantras about how you go about, you know, building your business, building your brand and treating people. Mm-hmm. So that that's just my little thing about that, that funny uh, <laughs> coincidence. <laughs> but back to veganism. Yes. What did you first start cooking your, for yourself? Because I know it was when you 
kind of moved off of campus, had an apartment for yourself. And yes. What were those dishes? Uh, uh, when I first, when uh, my boyfriend and I, who he also runs a magazine with me, when we first went vegan, um, we were very lucky, I guess, in that we were moving to our first apartment together and our pantry was completely empty. So we got to build from scratch. So um, I just picked like my favorite foods from before I went vegan. And I was like, I'm just going to veganize these and it'll taste really good. Um, so the first ones I did were tacos because I eat them almost every single day. <laughs> um, and that's really easy. Like if once I learned how to cook, it was even better because <laughs> I had no idea how to cook before I went vegan. Oh, yeah? And it totally changed the way I see food <laughs> completely just from learning how to cook and just having to know what's what are the ingredients and like everything that I had. Yeah. So, I mean, like turning labels, reading oh, them. Yeah. I think everyone should know how to like really look at a label and see where is this coming from? What is this? Yeah. I expect a breakdown in the next issue of Chick <laughs> Magazine about that. But your friends loved your cooking so much that they clamored for you to put together a cookbook. It was actually, well, like, so we started this... Um, we started this new apartment, learned how to, we were learning how to cook. And I was like, I want to start a blog because like I'm making food, every, I'm making food so much. So we started this little blog and when it got to be about 75,000 followers, everyone, like we got Tumblr messages every single day that was like, why aren't you making a cookbook? And I, I was like, I don't want to make a cookbook. <laughs> um, I wanted to make something like a little more fun and open to the people. Like I felt so grateful for all these people following us that I was like, I want them to be a part of it and not just me be a static thing, like telling people what to eat. Cause that's, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, but so that's where the magazine grew from. <laughs> yeah, and so on that, Chickpea Magazine is submission-based, so anyone oh, who's yeah. listening can actually write into yes. you. And it was it was through a photographer, Valerie Rizzo, that I first oh, found cool. out about Chickpea Valerie Magazine. Valerie has worked with us, like, a lot of times. Yeah, so. she's wonderful. Her yeah. images are great, but the, the concepts behind the stories are even better. Yeah. Um, because it's not just about pretty pictures. It's about exploring this large world within veganism. Mm -hmm. um, and I really want to talk about this issue, this fall 2014 issue, because aside from it having a small New York centric piece about, you know, where to eat in New York <laughs> or where chefs, you know, go for vegan cuisine, um, you go to South Korea. Yeah, it's all over the place. You go mushroom foraging. Yeah. I mean, you, you throw potatoes in ashes. Oh, yeah. That's a, this girl who has worked with us several times. Um, she is from Poland, I believe, and she always sends us like these really authentic recipes, like, every season i'm like i'm so happy that you're working with us yeah but it's about this like uh well you'll have to read it in the magazine <laughs> <laughs> no but it's such a cute more than cute i mean it's it's a really loving story yeah and but on that with those different subjects there's so much flavor to everything and i love that this issue starts out with spices yeah. literally you know cold weather or as i better know known <laughs> as warming spices yeah and you know, sometimes vegan food gets the humdrum of Bland. it being... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you can utilize these things. And yeah. you also have shrubs in this issue. Mm -hmm, which, which I was is, so excited yeah, about. Yeah, which is both ends of the spectrum, having warming spices and then having, you know, tangy, acetic yes. shrubs. I've never tried shrubs before. And then uh, I worked so much on putting that 
like bringing that together the girl who wrote it obviously put it together but we when we were testing the recipes and we we have like an open studio party like every month and gave out all these cupcakes the recipes that were in the article and they were so amazing <laughs> i was i was surprised that vinegar can do so much <laughs> don't get me on vinegar i'm kind of an acid freak but we'll talk about that afterwards <laughs> but i want to go back to these uh, cold weather spices yes I mean, most of us have these in our pantry. Allspice, cardamom, cinnamon. Cinnamon. <laughs> cinnamon. It's the one that always gets me. Uh, cloves, coriander, ginger, mace, nutmeg, peppercorn. Mm-hmm. And we think about these things separately. I guess in this season we start thinking about, you know, pumpkin pie spice. Yes. But you bring up the ideas of, well, not ideas. It, it, it happens in chai tea, mm-hmm. jerk seasoning. I mean, like the multi- multicultural nature of these warming spices aren't limited to, you know, cocoa yeah and i think like the way that we try to focus these articles is kind of like a what is the word inclusive like trying to be inclusive and like giving this magazine to not just vegans but to other people who can see the value in like figuring out like how these spices work for not just vegan dishes but like any kind of dishes. I mean, you do garam masala. I mean, yeah. you, you touch on Indian cuisine in that way. Yeah. So I mean, it's. It's so global in a sense. It's not like this weird little commune that hangs out in Rochester, New York. Yeah, we try to like show that veganism isn't just like this weird thing that happens like to hippies or like people online. It's like there are cultures around the world that like bring together like or bolster this vegan movement. Like we're not just making things up. We're getting this from other cultures. Yeah. Well, let's talk about mushroom foraging too because... There, there's a part in the beginning where you're doing some like tofu scrambles with, mm-hmm. you know, whatever chanterelles and yes. porcini something. But then there's another piece about, you know, mushrooms in a lot of Asian cuisine and culture. Yes, I love, I loved reading that article. It was great. Yeah, <laughs> I love how giddy you are about your own magazine because that that's the sign of somebody who's actually really enjoying what they're doing. Yeah, I will. I love. I love the quality of what people are bringing us. And like this fall issue, I was so happy with it because it went so in depth. It was the longest issue we ever put together. And like, there were so many like just stories and like research that like we haven't had this caliber yet. Like I'm very excited to see like the next issue (laughs) myself. (laughs) I'm excited to submit. You had my mind just kind of whirring the other day when I was reading through the PDF of you know, all these ideas that I never kind of put underneath the umbrella of veganism yeah. that I know are vegan, but because people think veganism is restrictive or something like that, but it's not, it's like, it's still using all the ingredients that the world has to offer yeah. just like in a different way. And like the creativity that you have to have to be vegan and to like see in this culture of veganism is like this huge thing that no one really sees unless they're in it, I guess. Yeah. Well, let's tell people about where they, if, if they're scared of cooking this themselves at mm-hmm. first, where to go, because there's a great piece in, you know, this issue about where to eat in New York. And one's oh right down the street from me, <laughs> MOB. Yes. Yeah. Maimonides of Brooklyn, I believe. Yes. And uh, that, that article ended up being almost 40 pages because yeah. it was so, it was like restaurants that i've been to about half of them and luckily we had two people who live in new york who like know these places really well and like they got to go interview them um but those 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Those uh, places, actually, I'm going to go to Beyond Sushi later today, yeah. I believe. Because, <laughs> like, the way that these people are writing about them, like, really makes you want to, like, try something new, I guess. Tell me a little... That's in Chelsea Market, and I've never been. Yeah. But tell me a little bit about what makes Beyond Sushi special and vegan. Oh, well, um, I believe that they started out vegetarian, and then... They, they only had, like, two mayonnaise-based sauces, so they're like, we'll just be vegan, and it's no big deal. But they make sushi that's not just, like, an avocado roll. They make, like, real, like, statement pieces of sushi that you could see at, like, any high-caliber restaurant. They're not just, like, veganizing a recipe. They're really, like celebrating the flavors that they put together. Yeah. And I mean, it's using different grains. It's using, yes. you know, uh, interesting tofus because there's a range of those too. Yeah. And, I mean, I, th I thought it was fat and that's a place that I really want to get to. Um, I remember first moving to New York and going to, you know, like pure food and wine, and, mm -hmm. you know, even Angelica's, which is more vegetarian, I believe, or is it fully vegan? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't been to Angelica's, but I believe it's, I mean, I know it's at least vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> And within vegetarian, often you can find yeah. vegan. Or it's like, if you see a vegetarian, if it, the restaurant says vegetarian, it's often very easy to veganize something or like you just ask and they'll do it kind of thing. <laughs> I was actually excited to know, Polly G's is a favorite pizza place of mm -hmm. mine, um, that they have a vegan pizza there with cashew cheese. There's a lot of vegan pizza in New York. Oh, yeah? We have no, I mean, in Rochester, there are a couple of restaurants that are almost all vegan, but there is no vegan pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Another wonderful thing uh, was Bana, the Ethiopian kind yes, of pop-up. Yes, I was so, like, happy to be introduced to that because it was such an interesting, like, it's an interesting concept. It's like a coffee culture and Ethiopian food. Like, it's really interesting to me. And you talk about something that has all those spices from, mm -hmm. you know, the, those cold weather spice, you know, pantries to having the acidity of shrubs because in Jera the bread has yeah. you know, that long fermentation thing. Oh, now I want to go there. Yeah. I know it's close to here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what else is on your list? You must be, after that long trek, you know, downstate. I know. Where else do you want to go in New York? Oh, my gosh. I, I wish I had the article out in yeah. front of me because then I could just check off the list. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> you should do you should do a little perforated check-off list. And, oh, my God. That's yeah. a good idea. <laughs> well, you know, before we wrap up, I actually want to talk about the craft of the magazine is, is amazing. Because um, I believe it's your own website that says you do food and lifestyle mm -hmm. photography. Um, I mean, hold on. Let me find this. Because <laughs> it's so many things. I mean, you are, you are a Renaissance woman in that sense. Um, illustration, of course, which you went to school for. Yes. Uh, screen to print. Uh, hand lettering. Yes. And th this magazine has it all. I mean, were you surprised that you so... were able to use all those skills within you know bound i made the magazine from the skills that i had yeah. um so i worked so hard to get it to look the way that it does from the paper to the design to like all the elements of it um like just the paper itself we've been working on since the beginning we just got this paper quality like last year Yeah. what is this paper uh well it's it's an offset like matte um i can't remember the process of it but it's like this really smooth matte paper that's kind of thick. It's like really nice to hold on to. And it's like, it's actually like cheaper than the glossy magazines yeah. to print, which well, believe is me, I worked crazy. for Edible Magazines for five yeah. years. It was that same, you know, like you said, very tactile thing. Mm -hmm. And it felt archival when you had it in your hand. And 
you, you can ask my wife. I've not gotten rid of any issues. It's all just stacked <laughs> up in her house. Well, that's like one of the reasons I made the magazine was like I was sick of seeing these like throwaway magazines. I was like, how much how much waste has to go on to like make these magazines? And then after we started um, producing the magazine and selling it to stores, we learned that um, stores well not it's not the store's fault, but they throw away the glossy magazines or they rip the covers off. And then they send the covers back to the magazine produ- producer, and that's how they get their money back. So they oh, throw yeah. away all these magazines. I totally forgot about that. I've seen that for like newspapers for years. And yeah. so they one store did that to our magazine, and I was like, "Those are not. That's not how it's going to work because yeah. it's not a dollar magazine." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we go back to that whole idea of sustainability and you not yeah. wanting waste. Um, you want these to exist in the world in a way that kind of parlays itself to having other people understand mm-hmm. not to be wasteful and to be mindful of what they eat. Um, I know you get tons of submissions. Do you get people writing in, you know, thanking you for the magazine, telling you what an inspiration? And Yeah, you know, we get that, yeah. like, pretty often, actually, which, like, surprises me, and I'm, like, immediately, like, they must be lying. <laughs> but um, we, do, we do a lot of, like, in-person shows, and there is, like, people who, like, buy like two subscriptions in every magazine that we have and it's like crazy to me that people like actually believe in it, like something that i made yeah well i actually <laughs> want to give another shout out because uh i also saw your magazine at food book fair which yes. I, which i'm a part of and i love what elizabeth has done and she actually just launched foodioticals today foodioticals.com yeah, i saw that actually like on instagram i was like oh that's cool <laughs> yeah so uh, chickpea magazine is on there yeah. and has long been a participant of Food that is fair. like one of my it's probably my favorite show to go to and it's it's like you see the quality of our magazine and then like people like way on another level of like bound books almost yeah. but they're magazines but and even, they're all in one place even the ladies of wild apple last show said oh we met kara during food really? book fair we chickpea <laughs> but that there's a community within the food magazine food zine you yeah know, foodie article uh, industry that is so genuine and supportive even mm-hmm. though one might be all about you know game and jerky yeah <laughs> and Which then we were know? sitting next to modern farmer yeah. i think last year <laughs> not this year but last year and it's like but you're still going to like be friends with these people because they're doing exactly what you're doing and for the most part your ideals are like on the same level it's just a different application of it so <laughs> here's to the greater good <laughs> Thank you so much for being on chickpeamagazine.com. Check out, you know, Kara's personal work as well. She's a fantastic photographer, illustrator, oh, etc. And <laughs> annoy the crap out of her. Send her as many submissions as you want because <laughs> we just want to see this magazine get bigger and better every day. Thank you for being on. Thank you. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.